Hi, I'm Robbie Burns. I'm Craig McClellan, and this is the Class Nerd Podcast. Connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. Robbie, I'm so excited. We're here. This is episode one of the Class Nerd Podcast. We've been talking about this for a while, and it's finally here. What are we going to talk about on the Class Nerd Podcast? So as we said in the introduction, we are connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. So you're a teacher. I'm a teacher. We both love Apple products, um, iPads, iPhones, Apple Watches, Macs. They help us get our work done and be more efficient. And we feel like we have some pretty good workflows and want to be able to share those with other teachers because teaching is a hard job. And uh, anything that we can do to save other teachers time, we think is beneficial. So that's why we're here. We're going to talk about the different workflows that we're using to manage our class load. And we're going to do that by every week choosing a different topic to discuss. And we're going to talk about between the two of us, how we're using apps and services to manage that topic in our teaching life. So for example, we're going to talk about things like task management, taking good notes, lesson planning, collecting student data. And this week, we're going to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart and yours, email. Oh, email. Oh, email. I know. It's a big one. And um, <laughs> we hate it. I, actually, I don't know anyone who loves email, but um, I love to hate it, but I also hate to love it. I, I'm not sure exactly <laughs> how I would describe my my relationship with email. It's, it's definitely not all love, um, but there's a part of me that does love trying to solve the problem of email. And... That's where I think our teaching profession and our love of software and of technology meets. Um, teachers really struggle. They have a lot on their plates, never enough planning time to do it. And then you have to add to the fact um, this, this software that we use to communicate, this email software full of this cruft of formality and email signatures and um, various different use cases for email. You have people who are sending out meeting notes by email, but you also have people who are telling you that there are brownies in the staff lounge. And um, managing that chaotic uh, stress of seeing that little red badge on your email app that says 3,561, um, while trying to find within email what's actually important to read and to send, all on top of the existing stress of the teacher's lifestyle and work. Um, we thought that it would be a subject that was worth exploring how to manage that. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some apps. We're going to talk about some services. We're going to talk about just our own interaction with email and how we're making our lives less stressful. Absolutely. So I'm going to start us off with the most basic, but I don't want to say basic because it is powerful, but the most standard, if you will, tool for dealing with email on Apple devices, and that is Apple's built-in mail app. And this is actually what I use to manage my email on my iPhone and my iPads. And there are definitely some pluses and minuses to it. There is no such thing as a perfect email app. Um, for the way that I'm using email and the systems I have set up, Apple Mail is where I have ended up. I, I tried some third-party apps, but I came back to Apple Mail close to the beginning of this school year and uh, have have stayed there, and it's, it's worked really well for me. So I'm going to talk about some of the positives of it and some of the negatives, and hopefully that'll help you decide if this can be for you. So the, the first 
really good thing about Apple Mail is that it works well with Exchange and Office 365. My school district is a Microsoft district, and so all of our email is run through that. And what's great about this is, for the most part, when it's working, sometimes there are bugs, but I can type in the name of a teacher, and it will just automatically, it'll search through the directory of the entire school district and pull up their email address, which is great because so many times... Teachers will get married and their email address will still be their maiden name, but you never even knew them by their maiden name, or they go by a different first name than their legal first name and you don't know that. Um, But if you start typing their name, a lot of times it will pull up a list of email addresses and you can choose from it instead of having to remember, oh, that's right, Karen is actually Stephanie. I don't know why I chose those names. It is not 1992, but I'm going with it right now. <laughs> so it, it works really well with, with Exchange. Um, also, because I personally am on iOS only, on iOS you can't change default apps. So you can't say anytime I click a link or tap a link, I guess, on iOS, anytime I tap a link, open it in Chrome like you can on the Mac or a PC or things like that. Um, so the same goes for email. I can't tap on an email form on a website and tap on an email address and have it pull up airmail or spark or some of the other third party clients. It's going to pull up mail every time. And so having everything going through the same client is super helpful. And then finally on iOS, it's got great drag and drop support and it's got a really handy feature that I use with my task manager things, if you drag an email out of Apple Mail and into the notes field of things, it will place a link into the things note back to that email. So let's say like right now I have to fill out a survey for the district that's mandated for everybody. That's on my to-do list. And I need to remember to do that from things. And I have a specific due date set on that, but I don't want to forget the exact details instead of putting the link to the survey or things like that. I can put a link to the email and reference that at any time, no matter if I archive or delete the email, it can still find it and pull that up. And so having that drag and drop capability is super helpful. There are a few negatives on iOS. There's no share menu. So you can't now that there is drag and drop, you can get email out more easily, but it's difficult to print or send things if the other app doesn't work with drag and drop. Um, It doesn't have more advanced power features like snoozing emails. Uh, Another thing that bothers me is that the Mac version is more powerful than on iOS. You have things like smart folders and more powerful filters that really Apple should be able to do on iOS and they just haven't yet. And so I I never like it when that's the case as someone who is iOS only. And also the, the search can be weak. It doesn't use you know, Google's built-in search or things like that. There, there are times that it does have difficulty finding emails, but most of the time I can get what I need, but there are times where I do get frustrated with that. So, um, that's Apple mail in a nutshell. And, um, it's, Even with those negatives, for me, it is the best choice for email apps right now. It makes so much sense when you mentioned the drag and drop thing. You know, on iOS, it doesn't bother me so much when I use a third-party client that when I tap on a mail email address in Safari, it opens up the uh, the email share sheet. You know what I mean? The standard mail. That's never bothered me so much, but the drag and drop thing is really crucial. And none of the third-party mail apps that I'm going to mention later 
have really great drag and drop support from taking a message on one side of the screen and dragging it into another app on the second half of the screen. Right. Makes so much sense. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a couple of reasons that I'm using the mail app. Uh, one of the things that is really great about using the Mac mail app is that you can use third-party plugins and the support is really, really great. There's a ton of stuff you can install from different websites and different app developers. And there's two that I want to talk about. Uh, if you're really bummed out that you can't get all the fancy new mail features that are coming out these days, things like snoozing a message to a later day or sending a message, but telling in that message, ah, send tomorrow at 9 a.m. You can hack some of these sort of things by using Mac mail app with third-party plugins. I'm going to tell you about two right now. Here's the first one that I use. It's called Mail Act On. Have you heard of this one? I have. I've heard, uh, I think Katie Floyd on the Mac Power Users podcast uses it, and she mentions it uh, quite a bit, actually. So it's not as elegant as some of the third-party options, but if you love the Mac Mail app, it's really, really powerful. And it adds a whole bunch of power features for you. So one of the examples of these is it does add the feature to send a message, but say it's like 12 a.m. and you're responding to another teacher and you really don't want to set up the expectation for that teacher that you are going to respond to their messages the second you get them or really late at night. You can actually tell that message with Mail Act On not to send until the next day at 7 a.m., which is a really nice feature. I th- I would use that even more with um with parents that email me. I feel like than, sure. than with other teachers. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um it adds some other things too. Um one of my favorite things that it does is it allows you to have these very very powerful popover menus where you can set keyboard shortcuts to do different kinds of actions on mail messages. So for example, I have a programmed shortcut that is called set project. And well, you know what? Let me talk about set project in just a moment. Um, I have one called move and I'm very often moving messages into different folders that create actions on those messages using a service called Sanebox, which we're gonna get to in a moment. But uh, what I do to move those messages is I tap the letter M and then I have numbers on my keyboard that are set to those different folders. So let's say that I want to save a message to a folder called, uh, I, I co-directed our school district's elementary school honor band this past spring. So elementary school honor band. I tap the letter M and then the number one. And then it goes there really fast without taking my hands off the keyboard. Um, you can do custom reply templates. So for the letter R, it brings up a popover. And then I have another set of keyboard shortcuts that has custom keyboard um, custom mail message responses. So for example, I say, thanks, explanation point, quite a lot to people. Right. <laughs> and that uh, keyboard command is the letter T for thanks. So if I'm responding to an email, I hit the letter R and then a popover shows up and then I tap the letter T and then it just types an email response to that person that says thanks. Um, I've also got a default one that just responds with my email signature. Um, you can actually use dynamic bits and pieces. So for example, a custom response can say hi, and then insert first name of email recipient here. Um, And then it can have an empty space and then it can have your email signature. So I can actually have it automate replying to the person by their first or last name as well. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And you can do all sorts of little custom snippets. Um, 
So then I've got uh, a number of these. We'll talk a little bit about project in a moment because I'm going to talk now about mail tags. Another plugin made by the same developer, they're called InDev Software. And mail tags allows you to work uh, with a more deep feature set of mail tags. Of course, uh, the Apple Mail app and, of course, uh, iCloud Mail does not support tags. It uses folders. So unlike Gmail, where you can add a bunch of different labels to the same message, you really can only put an Apple Mail message in one folder. Well, what tags does is it brings your, uh, it sort of adds three dimensions of tags and then some to your tagging ecosystem. The first thing it does is it adds um, three types, like I said, three types of keywords. So it adds labels. And what labels are, are your, if you're using Gmail with the Mail app, it actually brings all of your Gmail labels into Apple Mail. Um, the second one it does is called keywords. And that's Mail tags own sort of keyword. I, I don't really find myself using those because it's just one extra layer of tags that I don't need. But then it adds finder tag support, which means that if you're using the tagging feature on Mac OS where you can actually tag a file name, a certain keyword, well, you can actually tag messages. It pulls in all of your, OS, your Mac OS tags and it allows you to tag messages with those. The really cool side effect is that if you're searching the finder on your Mac, and you go to a tag, you can actually see those messages in line with all of your different various files. So if you're doing a project and you're tagging a bunch of files on your hard drive by a certain keyword, you can actually start to integrate your email messages in with that same keyword as well, which is cool. Um, then mail tags has a support for things. It does all sorts of crazy stuff like tickle dates if you're into that whole system, but it also adds project support. Uh, you're going to another... need to explain that. You can't just throw out the word tickle dates without without any explanation. <laughs> I think you would explain tickle dates better than I would because I actually don't ever, I've never used tickle dates. Is that, it's just another word for snoozing or is that like the tickler file like in GTD or? Exactly. It's like a GTD tickle file kind of a thing. My understanding of the tickle file is that it's basically the, the same way that you and I use task management, where it's basically you have a, a date that a certain thing needs to be acted upon, and you put any documents. This is, of course, we're speaking about real-world physical paper and folders right now. Uh, you would take any related documents to a certain day, for example, maybe next Monday, and you would put them in a folder called Monday in the date. Yes. So you can create tickle folders which are not quite like snooze folders. They're more like, I guess they're like snooze folders. They're, folder, they're tags that mail tags has support for that basically associates certain messages in your inbox with a date. And then you will get a, not a notification, but it will, uh, you know, it's funny. I haven't used it in a while. Basically, there's a way where it can inform you of the messages that need to be acted upon on a certain day. Yeah, that, I mean, that does sound a fair amount like snoozing. It's kind of like snoozing. It's a little bit different in how the user interface displays the information to you. But here's what I really like. There's another kind of tag in mail tags that's called a project tag. And you can add your own projects manually, but you can also integrate the project tags with a things or OmniFocus database. And this is not quite as dynamic as I would like it to be. Um, but what it does is it, imports all of the titles of your projects. Uh, if you're using Things or OmniFocus, these are two task management-based apps. But if you have projects organized within either of those apps, then MailTags will pull them in and allow you to tag messages 
with those project titles. So as I'm looking at my, in the sidebar of the Mac Mail app, um, I, I can see a bunch of tags that are named the same things as my OmniFocus projects, and I can drag messages on top of them. That's pretty fantastic. It's pretty awesome. Now, going back to Mail Acton, because of course these two plugins talk to each other, um, Mail Acton, one of the actions you can use in the popover menu is called Set Project. And that's, for me, set to the letter P. And then you have keyboard shortcuts for which projects Mail can be associated with. So for example, um, right now, my I'm uh, wrapping up my elementary school honor band I was talking about before. So that's set to Command 1. So if I want to associate an email message with that project, I hit P and then Command 1. And then it tags it with that project, which is kind of nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And these both of these apps integrate... Oh, sorry. Mail tags has <laughs> mail tags is crazy. You can also associate calendar events and notes with mail. So you can like add a little sticky note to a message and you can like create a calendar event in iCal that directs back to that message, which is kind of nice. So you've just got infinite possible ways to associate messages with different productivity apps on your Mac, which I really like. I'm into that kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So I am now going to talk about SaneBox. SaneBox is a third-party email service that kind of lives in the cloud. You connect it to your email, and it does, as Robbie has mentioned several times, it filters your email based on ways that you train the app, and it's it starts it starts out with its own set of pretty smart trainings to begin with, and then you can keep training it to get better. So for instance, um, the best feature is a folder called the Sane Later folder. And any email that it feels like is not urgent is uh, automatically sent into that Sane Later folder. And I've found that very rarely does an email that I actually want to see end up in that Sane Later folder. And everything that's in there really is unimportant. So actually, just last night... Um, my school district's IT changed something about how email is working and my SaneBox has disconnected. And uh, I'm working with SaneBox to work around this issue that my IT people caused. But right now, filtering for my work email is off. The amount of stuff in my inbox is insane because that filtering is turned off. And I'm kind of just like leaving mail closed because I don't want to look at it um, because it stresses me out how much is in there. But as soon as um, we get this issue resolved, half of that's going to end up in junk mail or it's even stuff that um, SaneBox has a, a folder called the Sane Black Hole. And if you move an email into the Sane Black Hole, any email from that sender, you will never see again. Um, and I think there are some emails that would normally go into my same black hole that because it's not connected right now, they're showing up. And so I am now, I, I started using SaneBox back in January and I've written a post on the class nerd about it. I'm linking to that in the show notes, but um, just being able to organize, I have a receipts folder that for my personal email address. Um, so anything I buy on Amazon or iTunes or that basically just has receipt in the subject automatically goes in there. So when my wife and I are looking at the budget and we can say, what did you spend $38 on with iTunes? I can just 
open up that email and see in there. Um, so it's, it's, it's really handy and a great service. And I'm feeling the fact that something is not working with it right now, but don't blame SaneBox for that. Blame my district's IT department. So I've never used the Sane black hole feature. It sounds, you answered my question. I've always wondered if once you turn off SaneBox or stop using it, if those emails come back, of, of course they do. I, <laughs> I don't see why they wouldn't. It's, it's tragic right now that, that they're filling up my inbox. I'm sure. So the way I have it set up is I've got the later folder, and then I have one called News and Deals. And, you know, I'm not really a fussy kind of guy. Um, my philosophy is that stuff that goes in the later folder is stuff that I, you know, stuff that I might want to look at. Sometimes I have, you know, things like password resets and Amazon tracking information go there. But it's really a place where, yeah, it's... I might want to look at it, but I don't need to. And then I pretty much have everything else go into my news and deals folder. I might as well just call it junk that doesn't matter. Um, because I am looking in here now, and it's it's everything. <laughs> everything that you can imagine goes in here. Now, my later one, occasionally I'll check. But really, I've got SaneBox set now to the point where I pretty much don't ever have to go into any of those other folders. Occasionally... Someone will email me and say, or you know, they'll reach out to me and say, "Hey, did you get my email?" And I'm like, "No, I didn't." And I'll check my later folder; it's sitting right in there. But yeah, I, I have it set up now where almost nothing irrelevant shows up in my inbox. Right. And if something like that does happen, you can just drag that email into the inbox, and then any future emails from that person will automatically go to the inbox. So newsletters that I really look forward to every week, like Club Mac stories or things like that, um, I have go into my inbox, even though it is technically a newsletter. Um, I do look forward to seeing that every week and, and want to make sure that I know exactly when that has arrived. So it's great that it, you, the way that you're able to train contacts to go to different folders just helps keep the clutter away from your email so much. What do you do if you have a uh an employee that you work with who sometimes um, something you're working on depends on their action or response. And they're just not really someone who replies to email in a timely fashion. Does Samebox have any features that can help with that? It does. I don't use it a ton, but you can um, blind carbon copy um, on an email that you send to somebody. I can send it to three days at sanebox.com. And if Sanebox knows that that person has not responded to me in three days, then that email will pop back up in my inbox for me to follow up with that person. Um, and there's also a Sane no replies folder. So you can see any emails that you've sent that you have not received a reply on. That to me doesn't always work. Sometimes I'll get a reply and still see it in the Sane no replies. So if it's something that I really, really know that I need to follow up with, then I will do the trick with the blind carbon copy but in general it's it's nice to know that that's there and, and an option i asked that question with sort of with sort of a leading tone but I, of course i have used that feature if you use it and you get the response three days later that that person has not replied there's a little kind of blurb from SaneBox that says you know this person has not replied and you set this reminder um if you do in fact hit the reply key to remind that person that action is needed, just make sure that you delete that little notification from SaneBox. I have totally forgotten to do that before and made some colleagues 
think I was being super passive aggressive with that. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing on Sanebox, because I know we're, we're getting near the end of our time, but um, it does have snoozing features built in as well. So you can have folders set up um, to snooze for next week for tomorrow. You can even set custom ones for like three hours if there's, if you're strange like me and like to do that. Um, but that's, that's one way that even though I use Apple mail, I still get some of those snoozing features that other more advanced, uh, email clients have. And on the Mac, if you're jealous of, or if you're like me and you recently switched from using something like spark where you can swipe left to reschedule an email, um, Using the plugin Mail Act On, you can uh, really, really quickly with a couple keyboard shortcuts get those messages to show up there. For, so for me, I hit on a message the letter M for move, and then I have my keyboard numbers one, two, three, four, five, and six labeled with my most frequently moved folders. Many of those being Sanebox folders. So the letter M plus the number one moves something into what I call my tomorrow folder, which will just really quickly snooze it for the next day. That's a lot on email. And I know we, at the beginning of the episode, talked about what this uh, show is kind of going to look like. We didn't mention that right now we have agreed we're going to do a 10-episode season one and then kind of reevaluate, see how it's going, see if we're finding enough time to have another podcast for you, a second one, and um, for me, a first one where I also have two small children at home along with my teaching job. So we're going to do 10 episodes for sure and then see where this goes, but uh, we're really excited so far, and this is episode one. Yeah, and in each episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some of our teaching workflows using different apps. So a couple of the things we're going to talk about, we're really looking forward to talking about lesson planning, student data, note-taking, going paperless, tracking mental and physical health, team communication and collaboration. The list goes on. It's going to be a great season. I'm really excited, and uh, we hope that this has helped you as a teacher manage your email a little better and that you've taken something away that will make your job easier. Agreed. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you for episode two. Until next time, stay classy. And stay nerdy.